Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on now in a series we're doing called Vineyard Verses. Uh, and uh, we, we were sort of took a little break last week for Easter. Not that we took a break. We just didn't stay on topic here. Uh, we had our own topic. And, uh, and we, it was great. We had a great time. Um, you, you know, record attendance for an Easter weekend for us, we had about 1,600 people. We had a lot of people respond to the invitation. Um, just fascinating and wonderful week. So uh, we're excited about that. But now we're going to get back on track to our Vineyard Verses study. What we're doing in this series is we're looking at verses, foundational verses that I'm, I'm encouraging you to memorize. And uh, if you get a chance, you know, if you, if you haven't started with me, go back and start memorizing these verses uh, and these passages. And so we're sort of going over them a verse at a time, a week at a time, and I'm encouraging you to memorize them where you can because they lay a great foundation. And when you have Scripture memorized, um, it's, it's easier to get to when you need it in the midst of situations. And the, the Holy Spirit can, can sort of remind you of these verses because you have them inside you. And, and so it's just a powerful tool that we should, uh, we should be working with as believers. And so I want to encourage you to, to memorize a Scripture. And it's never too late. And you're, you, can, you can still memorize. It may be a little more work than it was when you were 6 or 10 or 12. But you can do it. And so I want you to keep plugging in because it's really helpful to have uh, and, and just keep memorizing these verses. And we started this whole series as sort of as a refresher. Now, back in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, throne room perspective, we're going to talk a little more about perspective today, but it says, if you remember, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We started with that and such a powerful passage about access to the throne room of God 24-7 and how important it is for us to get that because of his grace and mercy and who Jesus is as our priest and all that that means in the process. And so we, we spent a lot of time doing that. And then lately we've been working through Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And I want to dig back into those verses today here in just a moment. And, and um, as we do, we're going we're gonna to talk today about... Um, uh, how we think and how important that is in relationship to all those verses we've been looking at in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. So, uh, before I get there, let me get the joke thing out of the way. I have some more helpful measurement conversions. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you some of these, and uh, I just have a few more that I thought I would give to you because I think these are very helpful. You won't have to Google these any longer. The basic unit of laryngitis is one horsepower. One horsepower. Thank you very much. All right, all right. We're... One million microphones. That's a megaphone. Not bad. Like, you like this And One million bicycles. That's two megacycles. No? 2,000 mockingbirds is two kilo mockingbirds. Two, two kilo mockingbird. No? Nothing? Wow. Whew. Work on it. Last one. 
One kilogram of falling figs. That would be one fig Newton. All right. I think that's only funny because the last one was so bad. And you felt bad for me. It's okay. So in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, we've talked about joy, gentleness, about not being anxious, about peace. Today I want to talk about contentment and how important that is in our lives. And so our scripture reading is Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Blessed be the word of the Lord. And at the heart of all these things that Paul is talking about, I think, comes this idea of, of contentment. And that contentment is found by thinking about or focusing on what is true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. And so it's a, it's a lot to do with our perspective. And, and the problem is that by nature, we are discontent. It's part of our selfish fallen nature. And it's something that we have to wrestle with and deal with and understand that, that, that this is the, at the heart of um, experiencing life the way God wants us to is that um, culturally and by nature we're being pushed into this feeling of being discontent, not settled or satisfied. And so I love to ask this question. It's one of my favorite questions, and if you've been here for any of time, I will get back to it all the time and, and ask this question. Um, and the question is this, point number one in your notes. It says, do you want to get well? <clears throat> this question comes from an encounter Jesus has with um, someone who's been ill for a very, very, very long time. And they're by a place where healing is supposed to happen in like, for like 38 years. Nothing's ever changed. And, and uh, in John 5, 6, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there... And learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asks him this amazing question. Do you want to get well? It's such a great and powerful question because it, it's, it's really at the heart of things that we go through. And it has to do with how we think and our, our contentment level. Um, and, and he's asking this guy who's sick. Because you would think the obvious answer is, well, of course I want to get well. And, the, and yet, he'd been in the same condition without doing much to change it for for his entire life. And you think, well, you know, do you really? That's what Jesus, do you really want to get well? Or you sort of figured out that this is just how you're going to live and you're dealing with that situation. And, and so the question is, you know, for all of us, do, do you want to get well or you just want to get by? And, and this, this thing, it really reaches into the, the temporary and the eternal sort of questions that we talk about here all the time. Um, you, you know, do we, do we want to understand that we, we, in Christ, we're eternal beings and, and that, that, that needs to be our, our focus and yet we live in a temporary world and, and that matters, but it shouldn't be the biggest priority in our lives because we're, we're you know, we're children of God. We, we have a different uh, and an amazing uh, destiny in Him. And so, you know, the question is, do you, do you want to be healed? And he's asking, really, do you want to be whole? Or, or do you just want what you think you want to feel better? Big, big difference. Um, see, because one is very temporary and the other is eternal. 
What we usually want is whatever it takes for pain-free white picket fence living. That's at the heart of a lot of the struggles that we have. We, we want to live free of pain, and we, we like the idea of that, you know, that white picket fence is that everything's the way we want it and everything is worked out. And, and, uh, and we want to hear that, that we can achieve it now. We want to believe we can achieve it now. But see, all the promises of pain-free, no more tears living, um, they're eternal. And, and so, uh, you know, the question is, do you, do you really want to get well or do you just want to feel better? And, and what does that look like to you? And see, the heart of a disciple, the heart of a follower of Jesus will always choose to get well over just feeling better. Because the idea about feeling better is very temporal. And, and yet this idea of wholeness has eternal ramifications. And one of the things that we have to deal with in this process, this is point number two, is our longing for heaven. Our longing for heaven. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. This is out of the NIV. Uh, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now let me explain this, and we'll, we're going to get to that verse again in, a, in another paraphrase in just a moment. Um, see, I think that a lot of people don't understand this longing of heaven idea um, and, and what it feels like inside. And what Paul is telling us and what you need to know that as someone who's a believer in Christ, uh, deep inside of you, you have a longing for heaven. You're already a citizen of heaven. Deep inside of you, you have a longing for heaven. So deep down, you know that there's something better than what you're experiencing in the moment. And, and, and so no matter how hard we try to make everything work, though, it just never does. There's still this sort of empty thing going on inside us that maybe we haven't put a finger on. And, and because of that, we'll try and fill that with all sorts of stuff. Um, some, some are seemingly okay. You know, like we'll, we'll get busy, always on the go, so we don't have to think about it. Push, you know, push, push. Never stopping long enough to feel emptiness. Or, or sometimes we try and fill it with, with um, things or situations that are not so okay. It's why, you know, there's a proclivity for people to turn to alcohol and drugs and immorality and all the things that happen in our culture. Um, sometimes it, it might be... We try and recreate moments of our lives that, that, as we look back, seem much better to us now. Um, they seem to represent happier times. You know, we have a way of erasing bad stuff, uh, you know, and, and thinking and hanging on to some things in our lives. It's why um, all that old nostalgic TV is so popular, why people like to watch, you know, episodes of Friends 20 years later. Um, it, it represents something to them that they, they sort of think is a better time but, but I think all of this has to do with the fact that we're, we have this longing for heaven inside of us. And the reality is it can't be satisfied this side of heaven. See, it's supposed to remind us that this is not our home. We get tastes of eternity now, but we don't get the whole banquet. And yet sometimes we get consumed because what we think is we want to satisfy that thing now. We want the whole deal now. And we'll, we'll set off in our lives trying to deal with 
this sort of feeling that we have that just never seems to go away all the way. And, and the reality is it never will. No, no matter how blessed you are, no matter how many things you get going, that's always going to be there because it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to remind you that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. It doesn't need to take you out of your game. And, and, and when we understand what it is, it doesn't have to cause us to get anxious or frustrated or all the things that, that he's been talking about, you know, and why we can still have joy in the midst of things because, because we know that he's got us. And, and we understand that we just have to kind of deal with the fact that everything won't work out the exact way we want it to here in a fallen world on a broken planet. And so we, we grasp that. And, and what we do with that, third, is that we mourn it. So we mourn the brokenness. And, and that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And everything is broken here, including us. Listen to what, this is that same passage of scripture I read you earlier, only this time from the message paraphrase. For instance, he says, when we, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they'll be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade, and we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfinished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. See, if we're focused on living for ourselves, of trying to make everything work in our own strength, of trying to get it all set up now, this no, no more pain, white picket fence living, um, what happens when we get into that thing is that we start to take everything that doesn't work the way we want it to as like a personal attack. Like, why does this stuff always happen to me? And then, you know, oftentimes we'll take it a step further and we'll start to blame God for it. Or, or you know, depending on which side of that coin we are, we either, we're either blaming God or we think we're being punished for something, you know, like we deserve that. But, but this isn't heaven. And everything here is broken. And, and sin is the cause of the brokenness. If you, if you need to get mad at someone, you really should get mad at the evil one who deceived us into thinking that we could be like God and then got us kicked out of paradise and now he tries to deceive us further by having us blame God for the brokenness that's all part of his deal. And, and, and he, he, he wants us to that for everything, continue to keep us sinning to, to you know, be like God and fix everything in our own strength and, and to fill the emptiness with empty things and it's a trap and there's no life there. And the reality is, something better is coming. This is as, as good as life can get, and he wants us to live and experience a full life. But you need to know what that thing is you're wrestling against. That, that, that every tragedy, every broken thing, every failure is just a reminder that this temporary life will never be perfect. But in his mercy and grace, he's made a way for us to get back into relationship with him, the very relationship we had before the fall. And so while this isn't as good as it gets, you don't need to make it your life's purpose to try and fix it. It's a distraction. You can't. It's just broken, just like all of us. The whole thing's broken. He's going to restore it, but we have to let him do that. We just need to plug back in and live the life he's called us to. And understand that it's a life not focused on trying to fix everything that's broken, but just trying to engage him in relationship. And then through that, 
helping other people engage him in relationship. And it's all about how we think about this. That's four. We have to stop thinking the way the world does. See, that's how the world thinks, that they can make everything work and get everything set up and have everything that they want, and then they're going to be happy. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And the pattern of the world says, in order to be content, I have to have more. But be changed by the renewing of your mind, by right thinking, by keeping our our thoughts focused on God and his will and his way. And and that's five, you know, is is that we have to start thinking God's way. That's what this all comes down to. We have to... We have to think the way God wants us to. We need this throne room perspective that we've been talking about. Listen to this verse, the verse that we're talking about today in the message paraphrase. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse. We, we get a perspective about what really matters in life. If I, if I were to get everything that I thought I wanted, would I really be content? And that, it's such a trap. Because, uh, I, you know, how, how, many, how often have we... We gotten what we really wanted and thought, once I, if we have these if-thens, you know, the if and when, if, if this happens then, you know, that's when everything's going to be okay. If this happens then, I'm going to feel this way. And then if, you know, that, that thing happens and then we're like, uh-uh, not exactly how I thought I was going to feel. So now it's going to be, you know, when the next thing happens. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, and once I turn that corner, I, you know, I used to think that way all the time. When I turn that corner, then everything's going to be just the, the way I expected. And the, the thing I found out year after year of turning a corner is after you turn a corner, there's another corner. <laughs> and, I, and that's still not it. it. It's just not there. And so, so what do we do? How, do? how do we get to that spot where we're content? Where, where we really sort of settle in the fact that we have enough. And, and really, you, you have two options. Either you get more or you want less. And, and the person that's content is the person who, who starts to enjoy the simple pleasures that, that God gives us all the time. You, you know, uh, a, a walk or a bike ride to the ocean and just, I, I often just go and sit and stare and I'm amazed at the goodness of God and it settles me again. It helps me to realize that, that this is the God I'm in relationship with, the one who made all these things. And I'll sit there and, and just be amazed at his goodness. It's the simplest thing. It's, and yet it's, it settles you uh, a sunrise or a sunset, uh, a cup of coffee in the morning early with, 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 uh, with your spouse. An amazing thing. You know, time with ch- children or grandchildren or friends or simple things that don't require a whole lot of other stuff. And, and, and it gets back to learning to be grateful, you know, for what you have and for what you can do. And that, that learning life, you know, it's, you, you find out that it's really his way, not in the ways of the world. And so, so in these situations of life and, and in the way that we think and in Paul's whole admonition to us, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We just begin to focus our hearts and our minds on Him, and the settledness comes. And all of a sudden, all these verses sort of fit together. How we enjoy life in Him. How we settle in Him, not anxious and worried about everything that's going on, but, but just being content and thankful for who we are and for what we have in Him. For the promises that He gives us. Knowing that it will never be what it will be at some point in time. And that's okay. So we're this side of it. What lies ahead is so much more. And yet we can experience in him, life, in a, in a way that will take us by surprise when we just stop and settle down, get our minds fixed on him. And so that's my encouragement for you today. Just, just think about such things, all those things that we talked about. Let your heart settle in the Lord, because that's where he wants you. That's good enough for today. If you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. We appreciate you doing that very much. Come and visit us when you get a chance. If you need prayer, go to the website. There is a prayer page there. We will pray for you, but um, that's going to do it for us today.